Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com. I Work, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into our fast, the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. You know, every day we try to find topics, engage authors or ministries, and, and how you and I can just connect what we're learning on Sundays to what we're doing in the nine to five. And today is no different. But here's a question I want to ask you first. Have you ever wondered, okay, maybe maybe you're an engineer, maybe you are an administrative assistant, maybe you're a manager, maybe you're a programmer, maybe you're a farmer, maybe you are a chemist, whatever your job may be, maybe you sell used cars, maybe you sell new cars, it doesn't matter what you do. Recognize that the Lord has a calling on your life, and that calling places you in a mission field today as you listen to the show, or maybe you've just left your mission field, or maybe you're still in. But we need to recognize that our workplace, it's our mission field. And in that mission field, you and me, we may be the only Jesus our coworkers and employees ever meet. But we ask that question, Lord, I see what I'm doing today. It makes me a paycheck. But how can I help somebody with the skills that I have? How can I teach someone else what I do so that they can make money? How can I invest in an organization that says, hey, the skills that I've got, those are skills that other people need so that they can provide for themselves in a different part of the world? Well, the organization we have to, that we're talking about, talking with today, does just that. The organization is called Mission One. You can find them online at mission1.org. That's mission1.org. We're starting today our conversation with Paul Clayton. He's the senior vice president, and actually it says executive vice president on his latest card, the director of missional business strategies. Paul Clayton, welcome to I Work For Him. Hi, Jim. Thank you for having me on the show today. You know, I picked out a Bible verse just to kind of start off our day. It says in, in Colossians 1, 19 and 20, it says, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Amen. And what's amazing to me about that verse is that Jesus came to restore all things to where they're supposed to be. He came and reconciled everything to himself and to restore all things. Yep, you and I, we're in that process of restoration. We're not, we're not there yet. I don't, well, maybe, excuse me. I shouldn't talk about you, Paul. I'm not there yet. The Lord's still working on me. How have you noticed the Lord working in your life? How have you seen him get involved in the intimate details of your life recently, Paul? Jim, that's a 
great question that we should all be asking ourselves on a regular basis because we move through seasons of life and God does different things. But uh, recently, for me, uh, it's been about my teenage son, who's not actually a teenager now. He's in his early 20s, and, and God has been teaching me a lot of things about his love for me and his love for all of us. Uh, through my uh, 22-year-old son, uh, and God used uh, that relationship to teach me patience and unconditional love when my son was uh, deciding that he wanted to figure things out on his own rather than take my advice, Uh, but recently God has brought him back into a great relationship with himself and and with uh, his mom and I, so... Uh, that's what's going on in my life right now and how so, God has been working. Well, in any of that, how did God surprise you? God surprised me in that, you know, I, I thought I had it all together. I thought I'd done everything right as a parent. I thought there's no way that my child is going to uh, go stray for I've raised him in the church and we prayed in our home and did devotionals together. Uh, he made a profession of faith when he was a young boy and uh, lived that out in his uh, teenage years. And um, so God surprised me when things didn't go the way that I expected. Um, but even more so, he surprised me when he was able to use those circumstances to glorify himself and to do a wonderful work in my son's heart. Hmm. That's a powerful testimony. And, and and there are so many listening today, Paul, that have been down exactly that same road, and they're breathing a sigh of relief. And so for those of you listening who are still going down that road, and you're not breathing that sigh of relief, don't give up praying for your kids. Don't give up loving your kids unconditionally. You know, life, th- these kids are challenged from every direction in in society, that their faith is a waste of time. Everywhere they go. School Amen friends television radio if they're listening you know everywhere they go they're getting challenged so i i i I applaud your diligence and not giving up i'm sure it was a challenge for you and your bride to go down that path it's never never an easy one amen thank you praise the lord all right so talk to me about mission one and just in like 30 seconds just tell me give me like the 30 second elevator speech for mission one yeah sure mission one was founded with the idea of partnering with national Christian leaders, indigenous Christian leaders in Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. And so we come alongside those leaders, and we help them achieve the vision that God has given them for their own people. And we get involved in training and equipping, uh, but also humanitarian aid projects such as water wells and vocational skills training for women, uh, feeding orphans, and many other things. And recently, we have been involved in helping each of our partnering organizations establish what we call missional businesses for greater missional impact in their communities and also for economic sustainability. You're listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg, as we're talking with Paul Clayton from Mission One. Find out more about Mission One online at missionone.org. You need to get a hold of this organization online and check it out, missionone.org. Understanding missional business 
is what they're all about. And really, what does that mean? Well, that's why you tune into I Work For Him, so you can find out how you can get involved. What's amazing about Mission One is that they're not sending a bunch of people into foreign countries to live there the rest of their lives to impact culture. They're sending people from their own countries to impact their own culture and giving them skills to support themselves while they do so. Paul Clayton, welcome back to I Work For Him. Thank you, Jim. Great to be right. here. So let's talk about, I mean, there's a lot of things that you guys are doing, but and, and it's all really helping the body of Christ be more thoroughly equipped. You do it in lots of different ways. So I want to talk, I'm just going to kind of direct you through, I studied your website, saw some things that you guys got out there. But okay, so at, at first, you, the number one thing is you're supporting indigenous missionary teams. Why do you guys choose to support indigenous missionary teams as opposed to uh, me getting sent off to Africa? Well, first of all, we, we don't have anything against sending Westerners to Africa. Uh, we think there are a lot of places in the world where uh, white people need to be sent, uh, where uh, Western missionaries can go and be very effective. But there are also places in the world where the church uh, exists and is very strong and has strong leadership. And that leadership has a vision to reach their own people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we uh, have a burden to come alongside uh, that kind of an organization, uh, to equip them with the resources they need and to be friends to them, to listen really well and to support them in uh, their dream and their vision to, to reach their own communities uh, for Christ. There's a lot of people listening and they're going, wait, I've never really heard of this model. You know, Instead of sending somebody from the Western world to, to a developing nation, as they call themselves today, we're, we're talking about working with leaders that have already been developed, maybe in the past by a missionary from the Western world somewhere. And so they're a very qualified biblical leader, but they still may need some encouragement. They still may need some additional skill sets, and we can come alongside of them. How do you see that as more effective in today's world than the old traditional way? Well, these uh, these leaders uh, are incredibly effective, uh, not, not just because they have the education necessary to be leaders, but also because they understand their culture like no one else, and they're accustomed to living in that culture at the standards of living that are required. Uh, so, for example, uh, the trip that inspired our founder to start Mission One, he, he met a leader um, by the name of Wilfred Githongo Gaburu, who lived in a small village called uh, Kajabi in Kenya. And Wilfred uh, had been educated at a, a missionary base, uh, received the gospel, went back to his village. And because the people knew Wilfred before he became a believer and witnessed the transformation in his life afterwards, uh, he was uh, provided a very credible witness for the people that he lived in. He lived in a stick-and-mud hut right next to other stick-and-mud huts. He spoke the tribal language. He knew uh, the culture very well, and he was able to relate the gospel in a very effective way. Wow. I just I, I love that. And it's because he's from there, it was more effective. So when Mission One comes alongside a, a, a guy in one of those remote villages on one of those remote continents, what does that look like? What are you guys helping them with? Basically, whatever, whatever they need, uh, training and equipping. Uh, we provide financial resources. Uh, but maybe the biggest uh, thing that we do is just come alongside them uh, as friends, as equals, uh, we uh, spend a lot of time listening. We spend a lot of time developing 
deep friendships and mutual trust and accountability. You know, what these leaders need in most cases is just a good friend in the body of Christ who's been where they've been before and who can connect them to global resources that they otherwise would not have. Well, it's that encouragement I'm sorry. It's that encouragement they need because they're 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 paving new roads with the power of the Holy Spirit, but everybody needs encouragement here and there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So sometimes those you guys also get involved. So that's the first thing. You're you're involved in indigenous missionary teams, supporting them, and you're also engaged in missional business. What exactly is missional business? Uh, great question. So, as as uh, mission was 25 years old this year, and so as these partnerships developed and their ministries uh, have grown, the financial burden have, has also grown. And so uh, we began to uh, feel burdened by the fact that we could not meet all of the financial needs of these growing ministries and support all of the workers that were being sent out. And so God gave us a vision for uh, helping our partners become financial sustainable. Um, But we have discovered in the process of creating these businesses with our partnerships that uh, these businesses are more than just a means for income. They're they're also a way uh, to raise the credibility of the gospel and to connect with people in a very natural way as we do business in the marketplace and as we relate to people that way. A very natural way to connect and to disciple people. Well, and and let's hit that, because what you're saying, everybody here is hearing the same thing here in, in the West, what what are you giving why is that so transformational when you start a missional minded business to support a ministry so it can be self-supporting why does it become such a huge impactor in those local communities well it, it's a holistic approach to the gospel i love the verse that you quoted at the start of the show uh, god in christ is reconciling everything everything a lot of times in missions we get the idea that we're there just to convert the people to Christianity, but the, 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 the whole gospel involves environmental reconciliation, it involves uh, economic reconciliation, it involves social reconciliation, and then, of course, and, and most significantly, it, it involves spiritual reconciliation, reconciling people to God and making disciples of Jesus. And business is a fantastic way uh, to, to address all four of those things simultaneously. Well, and you're, and part of what it is is that you're showing people that, hey, my vocation, I actually have a vocation, and it gives me worth as a person. All of a sudden, instead of being stuck in poverty and being dependent on handouts, now God shows them, hey, they have value. Hey, I have value, and I can work and help support myself and others, because that's what these businesses do. They not only support the ministries, now they're starting to support other families in the community, correct? That's right. But like you said, they're giving dignity to those families because they value the, the, the work, the skills that they offer. And so, uh, you know, in most cases, people don't want handouts. People would much rather have a good job uh, to be able to support themselves and their families. And uh, that's just one way that we can use business to dignify people and, and to connect with them in a very natural context where we have opportunities over and over again, day in and day out, to, uh, to demonstrate the character of Christ and to, and to disciple people towards a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And we're going to dig a lot deeper into the business mentoring side of your ministry when Bob Bush joins us here in a few minutes. Talk to me about one of the other missions that you guys do. You guys get involved in meeting urgent needs, like helping alleviate some of the Syrian refugee crisis. That's one of those things. But finally, one of the things that really intrigued me was equipping, equip the church. What are you doing to help the churches here in the West to be better equipped to understand what you're doing other places? Yeah, thanks for asking that question. Our mission is actually twofold. We've talked about uh, the empowering national leaders side of things, but we also equip uh, the church here at home uh, for healthy cross-cultural partnerships. And we do that by creating uh, training resources uh, that uh, help the church understand the importance of missions and how all of us are called to be a, a part of that, uh, but also help the church to understand how to do missions, uh, particularly cross-culturally in a very healthy uh, way that uh, that doesn't uh, create dependency or, or create confusion and misunderstanding. And then uh, recently we've uh, produced some resources that uh, that help us uh, be able to see a, a, a hermeneutic that has been hidden in Western theology called honor and shame. And when we begin to under, understand the, the scriptures in this uh, in light of honor and shame, uh, we begin to see that there are other ways to communicate the gospel that are much more effective in the developing world whose pivotal cultural value is honor shame. And so we, we produce these resources, we do conferences, uh, we partner with churches and provide training for churches uh, as they have need, and, uh, and missions teams. We take short-term teams occasionally. Uh, so these are ways that we're equipping and mobilizing the church. Well, and I love the fact that you guys have recognized that the gospel just needs to be presented a little bit differently than it would in the West when you're doing it in a developing nation where the honor and shame culture is, I mean, it's dominant in Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. I mean, it, it's it's a dominant feature, and most of us here in the West don't necessarily understand, well, most of us just plain and simple don't understand it. We've got Paul Clayton. He's with Missional, He's here's his title. It's a big title. Executive Vice President, Director of Missional Business Strategies. What's that mean? He helps people on the mission field. And we've got joining him, calling in all the way from Colorado, we've got Bob Bush. Bob's the Director of International Business and Education Consultants, the IBEC Ventures. Mission One and IBEC work together. Bob Bush, welcome to I Work For Him. Hey, it's great to be here, Jim. I'm so glad you guys could join us. You know, right before the break, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump right to this, Bob, and then we're going to come back to the question I told you I'd ask you first. But right before the break, Paul and I started breaking into this whole honor-shame thing. And as Westerners, and specific, more specifically as Americans, we tend to think that everything should work the way we do it. We tend to think that we've got everything figured out, and so our way is the best way. And yet when we've gone to other cultures to present the gospel, Asian cultures, Middle Eastern cultures, uh, African cultures, we realized that there was a disconnect because of this thing called the honor-shame culture. Could you guys discuss that and tell us what it's all about? Don't fight. Somebody go first. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. Uh, yeah, but, you know, honor-shame is in this issue of how it overlaps in the scriptures with the gospel big uh, issue and a strategic issue for missions in the world Christian movement. Uh, as Westerners, as you said, Jim, we, we tend to 
as any people in any culture, actually, we, we tend to read the scriptures with our cultural lenses on. Mm-hmm. And so we, we relate what we're reading to our own culture. Um, but uh, it's impossible for every culture or any culture to read the scriptures uh, without reading them through their cultural lenses. And, and as Westerners, we do so through the lens of guilt and innocence. You see that come out in our gospel presentations. We, we have presentations like the four spiritual laws, for example, and we make analogies uh, of a courtroom and a judge and a, a pronouncement of guilt and then someone stepping in to take our place. And all of those things are correct. Those are wonderful ways of communicating the gospel, but it's not the only way. In fact, the developing world where most of the unreached people groups live, uh, they're from honor-shame cultures. And so when we talk about guilt and innocence and the four spiritual laws, it doesn't resonate as deeply with them as if we can learn to communicate the gospel in their own language of honor and shame. All right, well, so let's let's dig that out a little bit more because I'm, I'm still not sure I totally get it. Because I didn't live in the Asian culture. I haven't lived in Asian culture. I haven't lived in the Middle Eastern culture. And I don't understand. Can you give an example of what honor, shame really means? I mean, we've seen some movies. Maybe we understand it. But, you know, what what does it really mean? Yeah, it's actually a a very complex cultural value. Uh, We've identified uh, in, in the book that we've published, The Global Gospel, nine dynamics of honor and shame. So things like... Uh, uh, the concept of face. We, we've all heard that phrase uh, that, that, that you just want to save face. This is an honor-shame uh, concept that uh, is communicated quite often in the gospel. Uh, body language is another uh, concept or dynamic of honor and shame. We see a lot about Jesus being elevated to that place of great honor at God's right hand. Uh, and we, talk, we, we read things about God placing his enemies under his feet. Feet are often, in an honor-shame culture, seen as uh, a shameful part of the body. And uh, You know, another dynamic of honor and shame is uh, purity. This is a, a huge issue, uh, even our own culture, about the shame that we experience when we feel impure because of something that has, been ha- has happened to us. And, and, the, and the scriptures have a lot to say about these dynamics of honor and shame if we begin to... Uh, see those dynamics in the scripture. In, interestingly enough, Jim, uh, the scriptures were written by people who lived in honor shame cultures right. for people who live in honor shame cultures. And so the natural language, in fact, when we, we start to look and we start to, uh, to record the amount of language in honor and shame versus guilt and innocence, we can see that. Uh, by an overwhelming majority, most of the language in the Bible is honor-shame language, not guilt and innocence language. Okay, so let's transition a little bit. I really appreciate that explanation because a lot of us in this culture struggle with that, and it's something, uh, we're going to give away a copy of the Global Gospel. People can learn more about it, and we give that away during the next segment. Let's, Let's enter Bob Bush into the conversation. What, Bob, what is your role within Mission One? Yeah, Jim, it's it's great to be here. I'm actually uh, I work closely with Paul and his team. I am the managing director with Ibec Ventures, and we've been blessed to to work as partners with Mission One. Uh, in fact, Paul and and Bob uh, and myself have gone overseas a, a number of times to meet with their partners. And really, my job within Ibec, I work closely with our board, our leadership team, our consultants, or, or missional business advocates, and our clients. 
And our job is really, uh, we brought together a, a group of businessmen and women who go overseas, and our job is to, to create uh, jobs and bring the unreached to Jesus Christ through business. And so my role is, is one that, that heads up the organization, but more importantly, I, I have the opportunity to work with Paul and his team on some of the things that they're doing overseas as well. Okay, so, but what qualified you to do that? I mean, what, what qualifies you? Yeah, what, what skills yeah, do you good have? question. Yeah, my, my background, I, you know, best way to describe myself, and I'm probably like a lot of listeners out there, uh, I'm a businessman who loves Jesus. I, uh, my background, my educational background is I've got an MBA in market strategy. I spent uh, about 25 years in the medical industry. Uh, quite frankly, didn't know what missional business was, what business's mission was, any of the, the terms that you hear. I just felt like it, it the point in time when IBEC got a hold of me, I felt like there was an opportunity for me to give back. And so, really, my primary uh, back, I think my primary um, function at, at IBEC is to represent a lot of others within the organization, men and women who have God-given skill sets that just want to give back and help people who are in some really difficult areas of the world. So that was really probably the primary um, thing that I brought to, to IBEC was just a passion to build the kingdom of Jesus Christ and, and try to give back and help people. All right, so international business and education consultants, you guys work side-by-side synergistically, as I would say, with Mission One, and you took the skills that God gave you, business skills, and are applying them as you help train missional business overseas. What other kinds of people that are listening today, what kind of skills could you use overseas to help do training? Yeah, we're. Uh, I'll tell you, we, uh, we've got all all walks of life, really, as far as career path on our team. We've got uh, lawyers, accountants, strategic business development uh, individuals, finance, IT, operations, uh, men and women that, that come from all walks of life. Their careers are, are much different. Uh, there's not probably two career paths that are identical that are on our team. But the one common thread, Jim, is just a passion to build build the kingdom and to do so through the gifts that we've been given. So um, we've got about 25 projects that are going on right now overseas, and our our project leads for each of those uh, individual projects, again, come from different areas of expertise, but what we try to do is match up those those uh, those areas of expertise with the needs of the clients that we work with. So folks that are out there listening right now, I mean, you know, we're looking for men and women who love Jesus who want to give back. So uh, we're not one-dimensional by any stretch. Well, and when these people, Bob, commit to helping you guys out, is it a is it a lifetime commitment, or do you use people on a project basis? Say, hey, we could really use help for the next couple of weeks here, or next couple of months here, and then you can go back. I mean, do people work a full time job here and then give their vacation time to help you, or is it, are you looking for people to commit full time to going overseas? Yeah, great question. You know, we've got kind of a combination, Jim. We've got uh, men and women that have retired and have that excess capacity. We've also got men and women who are, who are currently working in their jobs but just want to give back. I, the, the average project, that what's nice about it is, is that we really make sure that it fits into the schedule of our, of our uh, missional business advocates. Um, I would say that on average they're probably working uh, one to four hours a month on a project. And, you know, if, they, if the client wants them to go overseas, that may be part of the mix, but I would say that Nearly all of the projects that we uh, that we are part of allow our our 
consultants or missional business advocates to do so over Skype, over the telephone. So about one to four hours a month is probably on average what we're looking at. Well, and I love the fact that you threw in, hey, retirees that have some excess time. One of the features that we're adding to I Work For Him is the I Retire For Him segment. And that's really because a lot of people who are retired are going, wait a minute, I got all these great skills. I'm not ready to just golf the rest of my life. I want to put my skills to use. And Mission One and IBEC are places that you can plug them in. All right, we're back with Paul Clayton and Bob Bush. And here's my question for the two of you. Don't fight. Figure out who's going to go first. We'll let Bob go first this time. All right. So Mission One and IBEC, the International Business I gotta write this down. Business and Education Consultants. You guys work together to help your missionaries. Hey, there's a little feedback in the background behind one of you guys. There's there's some noise going on in the background. If there's a way to eliminate that, that'd be helpful. All right. So you guys work together to to help these global missionaries in other countries. How do, what does that look like? How are you helping them together? Bob, go first. Yeah, Jim. I, you know, I think the first thing you learn when you go overseas um, and working with these folks, especially when you come from our our culture and, and working in business here for, like I said, twenty five plus years, you really learn very quickly that you've got to be a good listener and um, building relationships is really key. And so I know that when Paul and I went on our first trip together, we talked about that a lot beforehand. And I, I think. One of the things that you've really got to get acclimated to quickly is that it's all about relationships. Um, not to say that relationships aren't important here in the States, but, but overseas they, they're taken to another level. I think there's really three areas that, that we look at. It's, it's really once we've, we've determined that there's a relationship in place and that there's this trust factor, because you've got to build that trust before you do anything, then I think you're moving forward with three key areas. One is planning. Um, making sure you've got the right person, the right product or service, the place, the plan, the resources. Um, everything makes sense for you to move forward. So that planning stage is, is critical uh, when we're working with our overseas partners with, with Mission One. I think the second is implementation, making sure that you've got a business plan, a marketing plan, an operations plan, a finance plan, financial plan, but, but probably most importantly, a ministry plan as well, so you're tying them all together. And then kind of the final piece of the puzzle is the operational piece, and that is who's going to do what. It's one thing to have a strategic plan in place where you're looking at milestones and metrics, you know, a month or three months or six months down the road. But really when you get back on that airplane, who's going to do what? And that follow-up phase is really critical. And I think what's great about working with Mission One and Paul and his team is that first and foremost, we, we all have a passion for Jesus and a passion to use business, create jobs, and, and reach the unreached uh, through these creation of jobs. But then also just having an opportunity to, to work together, learn from one another, and then really take that passion for Jesus with us. But again, you know, being a good listener, because in many cases, when I get on the plane and I come back, I feel like uh, the true blessing has come my way. And if I can just give back a little bit, then I'm doing my job. So, Paul, when you hear Bob express his part of this partnership, this synergistic relationship that you guys have, how how do you communicate, hey, Bob, here's the people we want you to work with. How does that work from Mission One? How do you identify those people that you think are ready for Bob to then start helping? Yeah, well, there's a, uh, an empowerment process in place at Mission One, and so we have... 20 partnerships. Uh, when we talk about partnerships, we're talking about organizations 
uh, not individuals. And these organizations represent hundreds of workers. And so right now we're working with each organization to help them implement a missional business strategy. And so uh, these are people, leaders that we know, that we've known for many, many years, and uh, we, we go and visit. We uh, have a process by which they uh, identify uh, skills and giftings that they have on their team, uh, identify market opportunities in their context. And then once we get past that idea generation stage and, and get a good foundation for a business plan in place, that's when Bob Bush and his team step in and uh, we assess the business and uh, the missional business advocates that he has on his team and we uh, match them up appropriately. Now, when you guys do this training, I mean, so so sometimes do you run into organizations where the the missionaries, so let's just call them the the, the indigenous missionaries, are are raising money instead of in business, or are they already bivocationally minded? Yes, it's different in different in different parts of the world. Okay. Some some of them are bivocational and, and uh, have been doing that for many years. Uh, some of them who are bivocational are also persecuted and unable to get a job. Uh, and so uh, there's a need for income there. But then others uh, are uh, have the belief that uh, for them to work would be an ungodly or unholy thing for them to do, that they should trust God to provide for them. And we're trying to help them uh, change that mindset and understand that God gave us business, uh, that we were creating the image of God to be creative, and that God... Uh, wants us to uh, take dominion of the earth and to multiply. And, and really what he was talking about there in Genesis was, was business and commerce. And so right. there's nothing ungodly about work and, and business sure. and entrepreneurship at all. So, Bob, when when you do this training, have you ever heard of the Nehemiah Project, either of you guys? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Because they've got a, an international program for teaching biblical entrepreneurship, and they're in like 20 countries, and a lot of them in Africa. Uh, and so they, there may be an organization, you know, I'm always trying to create, you know, just introduce organizations so that you guys aren't recreating the wheel, that you guys can maximize yeah. the advantages yeah. of both of you. That's one that is already mined in a similar mind that, that you guys have. They're teaching entrepreneurship to help raise people up out of poverty. Here's, here's a question for you guys. Does this, Bob, what you teach in foreign countries, could that be applied in our inner city urban areas that are quite multicultural today? Yeah, absolutely, Jim. In fact, um, when we do our, we do a lot of training with uh, with churches as well. And and you know what we're finding in these churches and many churches across the country is there's some really talented men and women that are just kind of on the sidelines looking for an on ramp to do something to to use their gifts. And so when we focus on churches, um, we're really tapping into that skill set that in many cases is going dormant. And, you know, whether it's a skill set that's, uh, that represents an individual who's retired or maybe even, you know, somebody who's got a, 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 just a desire to integrate their faith in their workplace today domestically, they're looking for ways to do that and ideas. And so um, that focus on opportunities to do these things in the States, um, many of the things that we talk about apply right here in our own backyard. You know, there's great opportunity here to to not only tap into the folks that want to do this overseas, but I think, you know, more importantly, when we go to church on Sunday and we, 
we all do it. We go to church, and then we think about how we can use those those messages we get on Monday morning. We're really trying to condition men and women to say, okay, you know, my mission is my workplace. This is where I'm spending 40, 50 hours a week. And how can I integrate my faith uh, each and every day in the workplace? And so, you know, a lot of the times that, that we're sitting down and talking to these folks, we're talking about the things we do overseas, but we're also taking that one step further and saying, is there something you can do starting on Monday that you're not doing right now? You know? Right. So the the last question for you, Bob, before you have to go, is when you are working with these these business people, these bivocational pastors, missionaries, these missional business people, people that are actually using business to bring the gospel to their community and a community where they wouldn't allow an open missionary, what is the biggest struggle from a from a workplace standpoint, what's the biggest common theme that you see they need help with? What, what, what is it that you see? Yeah, I, you know, I think the the biggest thing that that we can do to to help people is first of all um, decide that today's the day that I'm going to do something different. That I'm going to integrate this this missional business concept into what I'm doing right now. Um, I think sometimes we get we get paralyzed, you know, in our in a box, so to speak, and we we aren't we're afraid for whatever reason to step out of the box. So sometimes I think what we do at IBEC is we create an impetus, whether it's for a you know a missional partner overseas to to decide how they're going to use this missional business into their current ministry and and possibly reach people that they can't reach any other way. But then also for the men and women out there right now that, that may be listening. Um, you know, they may feel like they're they're kind of on the sidelines right now. That that they've got these gifts that they they really don't know where to turn. Not to say that IBEC is going to be the perfect fit, but there's a lot of opportunity out there. And so I would say that one thing that we've tried to do through passion and encouragement and try to bring a lot of excitement to the equation is just get people to make a move today to get off the sidelines and say today's the day that I'm going to use my gifts to build the kingdom for Jesus Christ. What can I do? And yes. so that, that may be as, as important as anything that we do, is bring that mindset to the equation and get people excited about what God has given them. You know? that's, a, that's amazing. Bob Bush with International Business and Education Consultants, thanks so much for joining us, and I work for him today. Really appreciate you calling in. Thanks, Jim. God bless you for what you're doing. Paul, I, I guess that's really what, how I want to close the conversation out today in our last few minutes, is how can people get involved? And, and, and I also want to talk about how they can get a hold of those those booklets that you put together the one the beauty of partnership and two the father's love gospel that's all about the honor and shame but first talk about how can people get involved with mission one yeah lots of ways to get involved um best way is to go on our website at mission1.org and click on uh the uh, sign me up for your newsletter and to stay in the loop and give us some information about yourself and We'll contact you and talk about all the different ways that you can get involved through uh, becoming a mentor uh, by going and doing a vision trip to see what we're doing on the field, uh, by partnering with us through financial giving. A lot of ways that you can get involved, contributing to our training resources uh, as we go and equip uh, these uh, leaders, Christian leaders with missional business strategies. So lots of ways to get involved. And that's what people need to hear because a lot of times we, we bring organizations on and they're like, yeah, but Jim, how do I get involved? This is perfect because you need people with all levels of skills. And especially, I think, the ministry that you guys are involved in, Paul, here is can reach out to the retirees. Hey, because when they retire, they still are working. And, and, and that's why we're, we're putting it out there. I retire for him. All right. 
On your website, you mentioned a couple of phenomenal resources that people need to get hold of. Really quick, the Father's Love Gospel, isn't that the one that I, I think I remember reading, that's the one that describes the honor, shame, or presents the gospel in that, that context? Do I have that right? Yeah, it's, it's a little gospel uh, booklet uh, that presents the gospel and using the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. Uh, but it does so in the language of honor and shame, uses a lot of great uh, pictures, and uh, demonstrates uh, this honor, shame, pivotal cultural value that uh, we see so much in the Scriptures when we can begin to look for it. And what is the booklet, The Beauty of Partnership? What's that one all about? The Beauty of Partnership uh, is what we say is the how behind missions, how to develop the skills necessary for healthy cross-cultural relationships and partnership. And so it's uh, uh, six uh, week study, a small group study uh, that's guided by DVD that explores all of the, the character traits and, and skills that you need to become a good cross-cultural partner. Mm, fantastic. Paul Clayton with Mission One. You can find him online at missionone.org. Thanks so much for being an I Work for Him and bringing to our attention this incredible ministry that you're involved in. We will have you on again in the future to get more stories of what's going on in the mission field. Okay, Paul? Sounds great, Jim. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Thank you. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg, as we highlighted the mission and the ministry of mission1.org. If you've got skills, any skills at all, these guys can use your skills on the mission field to train others as a mentor. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower, and I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.